everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. As a lot of you know, these conversations began as joined live streams that turned into podcasts to help reach more people and spread more hope. Thank you so much for your patience with the quality of sound as we figure out the best way to bring you these important chats, just in hopes of spreading more love and positivity. I hope you enjoy. I wanted to have Natalie on here. She's actually an author. She has a book out called Wonder Loss. And I'm really interested to hear her stories about it because it talks about, like, we're from the Bible, Bill. I'm from Arkansas. And so this book really hits home. It just talks about, uh, I, I noticed at one point it talked about you got kicked out of church because of divorce and just like different beliefs and things like this. And so you took a trip and you just like a leap of faith, moved to the Middle East, like traveled the world to find answers and grace that you didn't necessarily find in your Bible Belt church, right? Right. Yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, it's Arkansas will always be home for me. I still have most of my family there. And, you know, it's even hearing your accent, it's very comforting. It's, you know, just it's, it's one of the things you you notice when you when you first come home is like the friendliness and the warmth and the hospitality and like there's no place like home but you know I found myself just feeling stuck and like that feeling like I needed to run away and I know a lot of people can identify with that and relate to that that itch that curious itch to know what else is out there I got an itch to jump out to the middle east but like all power to you <laughs> when I when I get like restless I want to like go get ice cream, not like pack up and move across the world. Yeah, well, ice cream is good too, so. <laughs> That's awesome. It all, okay. it all belongs. Yeah, right. No kidding. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. So who the heck is Natalie? Like explain, explain to us, like, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, tell us about this new book that you just wrote. So as I mentioned, I'm, I was born and raised in Arkansas, in Saline County, mainly. Uh, went to UCA. I think you're also a UCA graduate. Is that right? And um, I found myself um, divorced at 23. And you know, all of my plans that I had laid out for my life kind of fell apart. Um, massive failure early on. And I was kind of like the good girl, the golden girl, did everything by the book. Um, and I just, I needed to get away. And I, I took this job that took me to the Middle East and I packed up my life and said goodbye to my friends and family and just a one-way ticket out. out. <laughs> little Rock was all the more little as I flew, flew away and just no turning back. Um, and so, so the book is about this experience. It's a travel memoir. It's a spiritual memoir. It's kind of a coming of age story. Um, I spent a long time like trying to write fiction. <laughs> it's, funny I tell this story um I thought I was writing a novel about Marco Polo I spent several years actually trying to write this stupid piece of fiction that was bad writing <laughs> um like a good chunk of my life like thinking that I'm supposed to write fiction like I, I enjoy writing and I and I had this whole like story in my head and I really could relate to to the historical person in Marco Polo and his leaving Italy and and going to Asia and getting stuck in China for so many years and eventually going back to Venice and um, I felt like I knew him intimately like like the Marco Polo that existed in my head was was this person that I knew personally and then 
one day it hit me that it was actually my own story that I was trying to write, that I needed to write a memoir and not a piece of fiction. And so then, so once I started doing that, it was like, that was no turning back. I started writing this, this, my story of getting kicked out of church, you know, getting divorced at a young age, finding myself in this situation of failure and then running away and everything that that entailed, identities changing, being lonely, um, all these things that happen when we find ourselves outside of ourselves, running away from home. Um, so I wrote it, so I wrote a book about it. Um, I'm still overseas. I think I mentioned I'm in Botswana now in Southern Africa. Um, I've been kind of back and forth in this. I've been mostly overseas for the last 14 years, but I've been back in the States a couple of times with my husband's job. So yeah. Seen, I have seen in your posts and things, you're married, you have children. Did you get married overseas or did you come back home and meet someone? No, actually we met before I ran away <laughs> before we met in Little Rock right before I took off um and then he proposed when I was overseas and then we we got married and then we took off again so so my mom thought she was getting her daughter back uh, <laughs> back in Little Rock and then we immediately we were sent to Japan with his job he's in the in the air force so we um yeah we, it's been overseas again again and again so that's just that's the nature of it um, so yeah, I have three kids. Uh, we live in Southern Africa. Botswana just sits right on top of uh, South Africa. So yeah, so the adventure continues um, overseas. Well-rounded kids. Yeah, they've they've had a they've had an interesting upbringing so far. I, I think they they don't realize how lucky they are to get to have the adventures and experiences they've had so young. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to You're Not Alone with Townsend. If you're enjoying these live streams and podcasts and want to see them continue, head over to patreon.com slash townsendtmusic. Your support means that the research and time and effort that goes into each one of these episodes can continue, and we can reach out to more guests and do more awesome things in 2022. All right, back to the conversation. Crazier. So you didn't have a passport. I hadn't really flown or traveled, and you just packed up and moved to the Middle East. So with that, let's just jump in. So I love, it kind of summarizes in a little thing. It discusses grace and answers that you found outside of the church, which I love. I feel like that summary is really cool because it really opens your mind outside of, like I said, this Arkansas Bible belt. So, um, like I know you said, you said a little bit, you got divorced, you got kicked out of the church. So what's a little bit more about that? Like what got you kicked out of the church? What was that turning point where you were like, I'm going to go across the world and I'm going to restart. Yeah. So I, I, I got kicked out or excommunicated. You know, I got the, the, I write about the experience in the book of getting the, the, the letter, the notarized letter saying, you know, we are, withdrawing our fellowship from you, I think was the nice, like sanctimonious way they phrased it. Um, and it's not that there were other churches I could go to, but it was just, it was just that, that stamp of condemnation that really, um, for me, that was harder to recover from than the actual divorce. Because you were divorced. Yes, because I wouldn't make it work and stick it out. And so, yeah, so I did have a, I did have a moment where I, I kind of like things were happening in Little Rock for me. Like it wasn't like 
that was the end. Like I had just, I bought a house and I was working and, you know, things were looking up, but I still had that itch and that insatiable desire to experience life elsewhere. Um, and so, it, you know, it was, a, it was a crazy thing at the time. Like my, my mom was freaking out and it was like, nothing was making sense for me to do that at the time. Like things were going well and I had landed well, but I just, it was just one of those things, you know, when you know, you know, when you have that like internal pull to do something else, um, that's just, that's how it works. So talking, we're going to dive a little bit. I'd love to dive a little bit more into the church aspect, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. I don't understand. So like for churches, I consider myself a Christian, love Jesus, love God, love spreading the word of hope and love and just spirituality. So I'll never understand. And I get some people see divorce as a sin. You're supposed to make it work, but I will never understand turning people away from God because like I, it's over 50 now they're talking about almost 60, 70% of people are divorced. Things happen. And then you turn those people away from God. Like that blows my mind. Well, it came as a surprise. That's the wild thing is that, I mean, this particular church was one of the larger churches in Little Rock. It has a divorce care. Like it has a, a ministry for people that are divorced, but it was just more of like a means of control. Like, because I was the woman and I was, was, you know, initiating it and needed to, um, by default, the man is correct. And unless I submit to that, then I'm out. I mean, that was just, that, that was the, you know, it was shocking. Like, I, I didn't see that coming. I didn't, it, it was surprising for me at the time to have that, that condemnation so sudden. For me, uh, and this is all personal experience. This isn't written down. These are my thoughts, my beliefs. And that's what these interviews are. They're not written in stone. They're just stories to help share and like help you find your own meaning and your own understanding. But for me, I just feel like God would want everyone to be welcome. And it says the hospitals, I mean, the church is supposed to be like a hospital. Every, everybody is broken. Everyone is damaged. And so it just... That caught my eye. That was the first thing I read. And I was hooked after that sentence, just being kicked out of the church because of something we see every day, which blows my mind, blows my mind. Yeah, it still blows mine. <laughs> Bible Belt, right? Right. I have a loaded question, but what did you find when you finally packed up your bags and you left America and you left Little Rock, Arkansas, where we are considered the Bible Belt. And some of the people have these really old thoughts that, you know, like you said, the man is in control. You get kicked out of your church if you initiated abortion, just these old school thoughts. What did you find when you went across the world? I know, um, you know, you sent me a little blip about from your book and it just talks about how Arkansas, everybody wants to sit down and have tea and everybody's welcoming and kind of old fashioned so how did that open your eyes when you moved across the world? Yeah, I think in, in so many ways, it, the differences in culture, you know, obviously it's a shock to, to, to go, go from Little Rock to Jordan was the first country that I lived and worked in. Um, but at the same time, like I, there's so many parallels too. It, it, it's crazy how two cultures that you think would be 
naturally skeptical of one another and think they have nothing in common. Like they're, they're actually, <laughs> there were times I was like, they're the, we're the same people. Like they truly are. The hospitality, the familiness, the, um, you know, drive through liquor stores where you don't want to be seen, like just the, the conservative nature of the culture. Like there's so many parallels, especially in, in the Gulf region of the Middle East. It's not unlike Arkansas in a lot of ways. Like there's just, there's so many similarities. Um, but I think like spiritually what, what blew my mind was, you know, I tell the story in the book about going to Syria and just being blown away by the hospitality of the people and having, um, you know, this, this nightclub that we went to, you know, they, they heard that we were Americans and that, you know, they don't have very many American tourists there. And they just started bringing these platters of food and drinks and everything on the house. Um, and they're not expecting anything in return. They're just, they're just giving us this wild hospitality. And it, you know, like that kind of stuff was like, experiencing the care of a marginalized group and it's it's just it's so subversive when you think about it like these are supposedly our sworn enemies and and they're just giving me love and care and hospitality you know there's just like this christ-like nature of these people that aren't christian like that that's the kind of stuff that really like gets under your skin and and makes you like like your my whole belief system just kind of fell apart <laughs> from that trip and Good. right and it it like it you can't not expand your your spirituality and like and, and knowing how um having that just having that deep knowing of the mysteriousness of the divine and it can't help but be changed from those experiences to humanity a little bit I feel like we all need a little bit more of that. And like you said, we almost hear you're grown to think of these people as your enemies or whatever. And you go and you realize they are humans just like we are. Exactly. And, and there's just this, um, like you realize that like their experience is your experience. Your experience is their experience. Like, like even though it seems like we're on different paths, it's, we're really all on the same path. And that's it. I mean, we are all, you know, it's like the person that we think we're so different from or people that, that get under our skin that we think, oh, they're, you know, why wouldn't they just, why won't they see it this way? Like, really, we're all, we're all on the same path. Like we, this is where I, I feel like Eastern spirituality has better language to describe this. They have what's called the illusion of separation, where we think that we're all separate and we think that we're all in our own little clubs and our own little groups, but really we're, it's humanity is one, it's one path and we're all walking the same path. And even when we think that we're alone and isolated, we're not. Yeah. I love it. So what did they think? So you go to Jordan across the world, uh, like you said a minute ago, these are people, uh, depending on where you are, these are enemies, you know, they don't see eye to eye to us. This American you know, Southern girl shows up Christian and they're just showering you with love. When you shared your story, did they think you were crazy? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I share at that time. I didn't really share my full story of being kicked out of church. And, you know, I didn't really share that at the time. I mean, yeah, I think I kind of 
I was very green and like didn't know what I was doing and like really had no business doing that job. You know, I was like young and inexperienced and like had just didn't have a clue. So, so there was that part of it and just just like the growing up part of it. But I did at that time, I didn't really share with many people my, my full story and, and, and why I needed to run away. I feel like I can answer this question a little bit, but how is taking this leap of failing in your eyes? I don't know that it would really be called failing. Um, almost a leap of faith. How has that changed your perspective, not only on religion, but life specifically? Like, how has this opened you up? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I see it as a gift now. Like, having a, like a, a failure early in life is... It, I mean, it shakes you out of any, like, I think before then I was just kind of the goody two shoes on my sanctimonious high horse. And I was probably a lot more judgmental than I am now. So, <laughs> so ha like getting it out of the way and like having your, your big failure early on, like, I, I don't know, I think that's healthy. Um, I think, I think it was Richard Rohr that uh, a writer that I admire who says that, that no six, like success after age 30 is like really bad for your ego that we should pray for one humiliation a day because, you know, after a certain age, like we, I don't know, we, we need, if you haven't had a failure by a certain age, then, you know, your ego is just gonna, it's not good. It's not good for anybody. And <laughs> it's just the way <laughs> it's just kind of how, how, how people go, you know, think bad, bad, nothing good comes from just success, success, success. Like you got to have your, your major, falling flat on your face, face in the mud, embarrassing moments. Like we just, we all need it. It's healthy. It's part of the human experience. With studies talking about, so like um, our generation having children and spoiling them rotten. And so you try to protect them from failing and from falling um, and not being successful or getting what they want. And they're finding it to be incredibly devastating to like them maturing and them handling heartache and we know failing and heartache and like feels that's part of life and so they're actually finding out how like detrimental it is and so I think you hit that nail on the head you know somebody I, I don't know who quoted this but it talks about how in the deepest and darkest of valleys that's where you start to grow flowers and so it may be dark and it may be deep one day but eventually it will come a beautiful pasture of flowers and it will be beautiful and it will be great and you will learn from your mistakes but and I, that's one thing cool about this podcast is I've heard people's stories from the worst of the worst but it ended up making them amazing people amazing right and it's it's just it's the nature of everything in the universe right death and resurrection and you know being on your lowest of the low point and how it's like composted soil it gets turned over and it it smells and it's messy but then that's where the new the new, new life starts to grow and that's where that's where new things are created and that's that's where the good stuff really is I mean it's 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 just the way it's the way it is so we're just boo-boo waiting to bloom some flowers <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> so how did it change your uh, how did it change your view on spirituality or religion, like moving to a different place where they don't practice these Bible Belt practices? So how did it open your eyes in that terms? 
Yeah. Well, you know, initially I had a lot of experiences that just made me uncomfortable. Uh, the, you know, the cognitive dissonance of like, how are these people who are not Christians, like fruits of the spirit, as we say, like they are crushing it. They've got all the fruits of the spirit. Um, they have like, they're, they're even like, they have more than I have. Like, how is that possible? Like these kind of things, these kind of like deep questions, um, everything that I was taught about how it, it would be living in these dark countries. Like none of it was actually true. Like it's all in theory, but in practice, it didn't, it didn't go that way. So I spent a lot of time, like we're just really uncomfortable and like wrestling with hard questions, um, learning about their religion. You know, I've only lived in countries that are not Christian. Well, with the exception of now in Botswana, but mostly the Middle East and the Far East, either Muslim or Buddhist. Um, and so, you know, eventually I just got to a point where I'm, I'm uncomfortable with what I don't fully know and understand. And I, 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 I see God as being more mystery and expansive. And even, even the way that I view the church, I see the church as, as anyone that's seeking the divine. And I see, um, the body of Christ as being all of creation. That's just, that's how I see it now. It's, it's, and I, I still identify as, as Christian and I still have, you know, sacred scripture that I, that brings me comfort and joy. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with what I don't know. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I can ever like pretend to have it all figured out anymore. Like, it's just, there's a comfort in like surrendering to the things that I don't know and just being, um, willing to to be curious and willing to to see um to see to see god at work in the lives of people that aren't like me i mean that's 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 the uncomfortable truth like you summarize that perfectly so for i feel like being in the deepest darkest place in my life and being truly curious was the best thing I could do for my spirituality, right? Because then you're just like grasping for understanding, like, why are these people this way? Why are they still showing me love, but they're not necessarily Christians or whatever. And I feel like that was the best thing that could happen to me. And I'm still in, you know, the Bible belt, but opening your mind. And I also found with age, I feel like body of Christ is and so, you know, you grow up thinking you have to go to church on Sundays and you have to go to church on Wednesdays. And if the door's open, you got to be there to serve. And for me, I'm finding this is not everybody's opinion, but church can be anything, right? Like the Bible talks about three or more people together is church. <laughs> Building that kicks people out for being divorced earlier you may have been hurt by church you may have been hurt by man but like you can find spirituality and religion and god in everything like i can watch some birds and feel like i just went to church and worship because it's so so real to watch and to just sit back and be curious right right exactly and and i think the future of the church i think it's it we're seeing this now like it's it, we're seeing different churches evolve into supper clubs, you know, just people getting together and eat and having communion, or I just finished this lovely book called Church of the Wild. Um, 
amazing. And it's, it's this whole network of churches that just like they meet in the woods. Um, and most of them are Christian. They're different denominations, but some of them aren't. Some of them are just, we are experiencing God as you know, presence in nature and like the actual incarnation of the spiritual, you know, the, the physical and the spiritual connection. Um, I think it's such a beautiful thing. Like what, just seeing what church can be. It doesn't have to be this big institution with all of these rules and oppressiveness with women or gay people. Like it doesn't have to be that. It can be, um, it can be something very simple such as meeting in the woods or having dinner with people. That's just, that's how I see it now. Yeah. So I have grown up that way with age. I have found myself being more and more like have people over and just be nice and show love and grace and your light will shine more in that instance than being stuck in a building with a bunch of rules and regulations. And like I said, turning anyone away that's curious about God just blows my mind. I'll never understand that, but to each their own, that might work best for them. But um, so we kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but how have other cultures like, are they willing to answer your questions? Like I said, early on, you didn't really share your story too much when they know that you're a Christian American girl going around. Are they pretty open to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as time went on, I mean, I've been overseas for a while. When I did start sharing my story, like for with people in Thailand, for instance, um, these are universal stories. Like this, the story of, it's just a human story. The story of leaving your home and going somewhere comfortable to not, not comfortable. You know, this is an archetype. This is the story of Abraham. This is the story of the Odyssey. Like these there's a reason why like literature continues to have this theme over and over. And it's because I think it's what we all have this impulse to some degree. I mean, not everyone runs away from home, but that story connects with people. Like it doesn't matter what your religion is or where you're from. Like I think sharing that story with people in other countries and different faiths, like that's, it's a universal archetype. Like people just connect with that story. So I think as I did mature and like, especially after I got married and became a mother and was still living overseas, you know, people that I became friends with, I did share my story. And I think that's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it connects regardless of, of religion or ethnicity, nationality. People living vicariously through you. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, a lot of friends back home, I think, too, that I've kept up with, like, that's um, that vicarious living, you know, I think that's, that's, that's really common. I've, I've had friends, like, tell me, like, I'm living vicariously for, for you. But what's crazy, though, is I have friends, like, from Saline County, for example, or friends that never left Arkansas, who we have, we're, I mean, we're like this now, like we have this thing. It's, it's sort of like we've walked the same path, even though I've, I've left and I've had all these crazy experiences. Like it, sometimes it's not leaving. Like sometimes you, you can have your own journey, um, journey of the heart right where you are. And it, it, maybe it's a different kind of leaving or it's a different kind of, of path. It, does, it doesn't always have to be a geographical change. I think.
Absolutely. Um, so how did all of this you know, tie it back to mental health? Because that's kind of what this podcast is all about, just how you handle your mental health and self-care and what that looks like for different people. So how did this moving in this journey and this stress related from figuring really your life out again, how did, what did that look like affecting your mental health and how did you handle that? What did self-care look like for you? Yeah, well, I think early on, I think um, shame can be extremely paralyzing, right? Like when you just feel so ashamed and you feel like you can't move forward and you can't do anything. So that, that affected my mental health, I think, even before I ran away. And then um, once I was gone, of course, the loneliness and the, the feeling, uh, the feeling like your, your sense of belonging that used to be so tied in with belief. That's the thing about especially evangelical Christianity is that your identity, how you belong and how others perceive you as belonging, it's all based on what you believe, which is, is really unique when you compare it to other faiths around the world. Like if you just believe a certain thing, then you belong, then you're part of the club. So losing that sense of identity and that sense of belonging, like that was really, um, that did a number on me, I think, for a long time. Um, so, I mean, self-care for me has always been time in nature, time with tall trees, um, having unlikely friendships that have endured, um, having my own family, of course, <laughs> that helps, <laughs> forging a new identity. Um, and, you know, I think th these things just take time. Um, they just, they just take time. Like things get, it gets better. It gets better with age. Um, you find care looking at tall trees and I thought you're going to say tall men. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My mind literally jumped to that and I thought, well, I guess that could be therapeutic. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> I do have a tall man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love how you mentioned shame. That's something that comes up so, so often, especially in these interviews, like shame plays such a part. It's so detrimental. And one thing I have learned with talking with people is the minute you address shame and the minute you put it out in the light, it really starts to kind of dissipate, right? So you share your story, you write this book. Do you feel like sitting down and writing it and talking about it, do you feel like that was therapeutic for you? Like kind of bringing oh, that absolutely. shame? Yes, absolutely. It was. I mean, there's so much power in telling our stories. It's transformative in every way, you know, and I, I've, I've encouraged people to write their stories down um, because there's something about just showing up, like just sitting there in the chair blocking out time like you don't know what's going to come up and like how the dots are going to connect but somehow they do like it, it is a it is a spirit-filled thing to sit down and write your story and there's something about putting language to it that you're right it just kind of dissipates the shame when you share those stories with other people when you connect um with however small or large audience it 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 does so much for you. And it, it is, it is, it is therapeutic for me. It was, it was several years of, of therapy, the best therapy. Self now, do you find yourself journaling? Like that is, is that something that's self-care for you? 
it's not, and it should be. <laughs> I'm terrible. I need to be journaling. Actually, my husband, who is not a writer yet, he writes faithfully every day. He has like this massive spreadsheet that goes back several years, and and I'm like, I'm the writer, and I sh I should be journaling. Um, like the the limited time that I have, actually, I just started writing a children's book. Um, and it's, it's kind of like taking, it's, it's more of like entertainment for me now, um, to shift gears and like try a new genre. Um, but that, I mean, that's really, that's where my, my writing energy is going, but I, I should be journaling more. I do occasionally take notes in my phone. I think that's a good way to like, like if there's something that happens, like when you're out walking or just out and about, like things kind of come to you and then you like write a little note down, like save it for later or something for later. Um, but that's as far as it gets for me, journaling. Sadly, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of pathetic with, I, I need to be better at it. Percent assumed a writer would find self-care and like jotting down all those thoughts yeah. and like your mind running everywhere. Okay, well, you just beat that thought in my head. I 100% <laughs> imagined that. No, so, sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> it shows how little I know, I guess. Um, okay. So people watching, we've got a lot of people on. Like I said, I had a couple of people reach out to me wanting you on here and just loving your story. So or that are listening about just taking a leap of faith or following their heart, whether that be moving across the country or just a different mindset. Like what would your advice be for that? Yeah, I would say for sure, like whatever – whatever big thing that needs to happen, it's, it's going to feel risky. Like that risk is actually a good thing. If it's, it's not worth doing unless you have, there's going to be risk involved. So I think getting over that feel like, like thinking that the risk is, is bad or somehow suggestive that maybe you shouldn't do it. Like that's, it's not how it works. Like it should, it, it is risky. It's always going to be risky. Um, so I would just say like lean into that risk like whatever curious thing that's out there that people want to start something new or they have a, a desire, like, like listen to believe that the, the thing inside of you is good. Like trust in your, you can actually trust in your own um, desires and like whatever's, whatever's pulling you. It's not a bad and evil force. It's not, there's nothing sinister about it. Like, don't be afraid of it. Like just, nurture it and be curious and accept that like risk is just part of it uh, risk or uh risk within reason you don't want to get too carried away yes, don't get too crazy right, right yeah exactly. don't 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 go like don't go like breaking laws or anything like that right 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 not that kind of risk <laughs> exactly no i will i 1000 percent agree so trust your gut like you know yourself way more than anyone else does you're going to be how you transform and how you see the world. Um, I love Natalie. It has been fantastic chatting with you. You're so well-spoken. You were nervous about this, but you're fantastic. Thank you, Townsend. I appreciate it. You're, you're so easy to talk to. So I love what you're doing. And like I said, this is, we were chatting earlier. I said that you're like, you're like Mr. Rogers for grownups. Like, I feel like that's the whole, I don't know if that's like the brand that you're going for, but um, I love what you're doing on here and I love your music as well. So thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
pleasure is all mine. I 100% take the Mr. Rogers comment as like the biggest compliment I can ever get. He's like the best man on earth. <laughs> so he is, so he is. I, I will, I will take that like very proudly. I actually posted about it just a minute ago because I find that extremely, uh, I love it. I love it. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got family, you've got kids, you've got a busy schedule. Um, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me. And it has been a pleasure. Last thing, Natalie, where can people find your book if they want to look more into this? Um, yeah, it's, you know, wherever books are sold, this is what it looks like. Um, I know it's at Barnes and Noble. I, I want to say it's in the store at the local store in Little Rock. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on the Paraclete Press website um, as well. That's the publisher. So basically wherever books are sold, you can find it. A wonder lost. If it's okay, I'm going to post a picture of it on my story today. I'll put a link on there that you can buy it. It's been really cool. I've been looking into it. Like I said, um, I got a teaser from Natalie. Uh, been looking at some notes. My friends that have read it and have followed your journey love it so, so much. So everybody else have a good Saturday. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at townsendtmusic for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty.